Uh, we, um, we're, we're doing a series on the Beatitudes, which are eight sayings that, that come at the start of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, as we've said before, the Sermon on the Mount is really uh, Jesus talking about how life in the kingdom of heaven works. And so the way that I always picture it is a little like when you get on a plane and you go to a faraway country that's, that's far away, not just geographically, but culturally, that where, where society and things that are normal in that culture are really different from how it is here in the UK. And, and when you land in a culture like that, what can be helpful is to have a tour guide, someone who shows you around and they explain not just where the buildings are, but, but how the society functions and what the culture is like. And it's almost as if in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is helping us to understand what, what the culture of the kingdom of heaven is like, what the values of the kingdom are. Uh, we weren't members of the kingdom of heaven. Then we said yes to him and we became citizens. And that process of discovering what it is to be part of the kingdom is really called discipleship. And uh, there are all sorts of moments in the Sermon on the Mount that, that, that should shock us and um, should cause us to, to, to wonder and uh, that might make us feel uncomfortable in a good way. And uh, that's true even of the way it begins. And one of the first surprises for me is um, it can be, we can have a tendency to think of the kingdom of heaven as, as dry sometimes and, and dull and kind of boring. And it's absolutely not that. It is a kingdom of unsurpassed joy. And so that's why Jesus starts with these, these statements. It's one of the reasons, at least, why he starts with these statements about blessed are you. And another way of putting that might be happy are you, or even congratulations. Um, but uh, they, they seem so often to be upside down. And they don't seem to us initially on a first reading to be the place where we might expect to find joy. And so we've been unpacking them one by one. And the beatitude for this week is Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, and it's this. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Another way of putting it might be, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And... Um, Jesus is saying, if you long for righteousness and if you are hungry for, uh, for righteousness, you're going to find yourself um, in the kingdom of heaven, getting to a point where you are absolutely satisfied. That's what this word filled means. I picture it as the word that encapsulates that moment after I have eaten a Sunday roast at my mum and dad's house. We went back for half term and my dad just cooks the best roast dinners. And so it was roast potatoes. It was beautiful roast chicken. It was this amazing gravy. It was like cauliflower cheese. It was like everything I love about it. And I get to the end of a meal like that and I just push my plate away and I sit back and I, I don't always say this, but I'm feeling it. I am filled. I am satisfied. I can fill the corners up a little bit more with the odd bit of chicken and roast potato, but I'm, I'm content. And Jesus is saying that for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness in the kingdom of heaven, that contentment will be theirs. That satisfaction will be theirs. And, and really, all of us as the human race are longing for contentment, satisfaction, to be filled, to have our souls uh, that are satisfied. But, and this is one of the first reasons why this beatitude might be a bit of a shock to us, the way that we think we find that, that filling and that contentment is by hungering and thirsting, usually for happiness. 
So if we were to write this, if our culture was to write this particular beatitude, it might say something like, happy are those who hunger and thirst for happiness, because then they will be content. Happy are those who, who say to themselves, what can I do today to make myself happy so that I can have a happy day and a happy week and a happy life? And Jesus is all for happiness. That's the whole point. He says, blessed are you. Um, you know, congratulations, happy are you. But what he does is he, he's trying to help us to see the way to that happiness and the way to that contentment and satisfaction is not actually to put ourselves first and to seek our own happiness beyond everything else. In this instance, he says, if, if you want to be happy and if you want to be filled, hunger and thirst, not for happiness itself, but righteousness. And so the question that I've been asking off the back of that is the obvious question, which is, what does he mean by righteousness? When we talk about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, what is that? And there's one level to it, which is that desire just to be in a right relationship with God, to have intimacy with him and closeness with him and to come to know him. And he's saying, if you long to be near God, it's your, yeah, congratulations, because that's what his desire is. And everything he does through the cross and his resurrection is to make it possible that we would know God, not just from a distance, not just to acknowledge, but as a father and in our hearts, that we would know his embrace wrapped around us. Happy are you if you want to be right with God and have nothing between you and him, because that's what I've come to make possible. So, so there's that level of it. But really, I think the main thing he's getting at in the context is that when we, when we start to follow God, that's, that's at some level the end of something, but really it's very much a beginning. It's the beginning of a relationship and an adventure. And what we are invited into is not just to know him, but to become like him in our hearts and in our character. And so when Jesus is speaking of those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, one of the things that he's getting at is those who hunger and thirst to be like him, to have his character, um, to have the love, the peace, the joy, the gentleness, the courage of Jesus, that longing to become like him. And so to put it another way, uh, the question might be, do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to have more of his heart in your heart? And if that is the case, happy are you. Congratulations, because you are going to be satisfied beyond your wildest dreams. And um, for some of us, I, I know we might find it hard to relate to some of this because I don't Imagine there are many of us that wake up in the morning and say, wow, I'm so hungry and thirsty for some righteousness today. Um, so that might not be how we experience it, but we might experience that longing to have Jesus' character more from a discomfort point of view. Hunger and thirst is not a comfortable place to be, um, particularly if it's acute. And it can, be, it can actually be even sometimes a, a little painful. So we might experience this longing for, from a, from a uh, just a frustration, perhaps, that we're not different, uh, that, that we still find ourselves trapped 
in addictive patterns of behavior that we can't somehow break free and we know they're enslaving us. And if you've ever been in a situation like that where you go back to the, the bad habit, whatever it happens to be, again and again and again, and you know it doesn't leave you feeling filled, it leaves you feeling empty. It leaves you feeling hollow inside and yet you cannot stop yourself from going there. That's slavery. And so there's this longing for some of us to, to become like him because we hate some of the things that we see in our own hearts. That, that longing for freedom. For others of us, and we'll probably all be both at different points, we experience this when we come across something in a positive sense that we think, wow, I, I would really love to have a little more of that in my life. And the way that I imagine this is, is so often I arrive at Mike's house and I am not hungry. I knock on his door, he opens the door, he welcomes me in. And uh, he's got a leg of lamb in the oven because he fancied a snack. And so it's been cooking in there for about five or six hours. So I'm not hungry when I arrive at the house. I walk into the home and the whole house just smells. It's incredibly fragrant of just this beautiful, slow-cooked, roasted lamb covered in oregano, salt and pepper. And it's like, I'm standing in his living room just for a few minutes and my saliva glands kind of are going out, working overtime. And, uh, and suddenly, whereas before I wasn't hungry, now I'm like, I could eat. I could eat an entire plate of lamb right now. Like the, 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 the hunger has been awoken by the aroma and by the smell. And in the same way, we will find the more we get to know God, but also when we meet people who are like Jesus, we will find something in us wakes up, a hunger and a desire. You know, we meet someone who's just incredibly kind. And how about you? But, but when I was growing up, kindness was not a big ambition I had. It's become more and more of one as I follow God because I, I meet people and I think, I just want to have that in my heart. It's not just I want to try to be nicer. I want, I want to be a kind person. That, that longing in me has awoken. Or, or we meet somebody who's just, they're humble. Or they're, they're gentle. Or they just embody love. And a thirst in us awakes. And so that is what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. It's a desire to have all the freedom that Jesus has and all the purity and the holiness that he has. It's a desire to have his character. And he says, if you're hungry for that, and if you are thirsty for that, then congratulations, you are going to be filled. And um, every single beatitude is this glorious gem of good news when we understand it fully. And so I've been realizing as we've read it, if I really get this, then, then, then the sign I've got it will be that I'll want to worship. And I'll be like, hallelujah, this is the truth that we've walked into. And one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why this beatitude is such good news, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, is because Jesus does not say, blessed are those who are righteous. It, do, it does not say, Blessed are those who want to be, um, blessed are those who are like Jesus, for they will be filled. It says, blessed are those who want to be, who want to be, who have the desire to be. And the reason that is such a relief is because if it was about becoming like him, none of us would ever make it. 
Uh, you know, if I, was to, if I was to get some of the, the holiest, the most inspiring people we could imagine in our, in our world in here, whether they're dead or alive, you know, people like Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, anyone who's ever won a Nobel Peace Prize, we lined them all up here and said, hey, let's all try and be like them. I don't know about you, but I would find that not a freeing thing, but a crushing thing, because I'm never going to be able to do it, no matter how hard I try. But, but I tell you what I could do, I tell you what I might be able to manage, I might want to be like them. And in this context, Jesus is saying, that's enough. It's not about ability. It's not about self-discipline. It isn't about willpower. It's about hunger and thirst. You don't have to be, wherever we're ranking ourselves on, on gifting and strength, everyone can be hungry. We can all be thirsty. And, and Jesus is saying, if you hunger and thirst, you will be filled. And, and, and a picture of this happening that really, I think, gives me a bit of a pattern for what transformation into becoming like Jesus, how it looks in practice, um, is, is one of my favourite pictures anyway, is from Mark chapter 10. And in Mark chapter 10, there's a guy called Bartimaeus who is a blind beggar. And he's sitting by the side of the road and Jesus leaves this town on his way somewhere else. And blind Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is, is around. He hears the crowd and he hears it's Jesus. And so he starts shouting for Jesus. And he just yells, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's yelling it at the top of his voice. And, and the crowd, they, many of them turn around to him and they say, shut up, Bartimaeus, just be quiet. And, and Bartimaeus says, I love his response to that because rather than, rather than quieting down and feeling like rebuked, he just yells even louder. So he just goes, he shouts all the more. Jesus, have mercy on me. And he shouts so loud that Jesus hears him above all the other noise that surrounds him. And he says, bring him to me. And, and like, they're all like, they're all, the crowd are like so fickle. They're like, oh, he's calling you on your feet. Off you go. So Bartimaeus gets up and they lead him to Jesus. And Jesus just asks him a question. What do you want me to do for you? I love that he asks him, even though it's probably obvious. What do you want me to do for you? And Bart says, I want to see. And Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. And in that moment, this man who was blind begins to see. And in this, in this story of Bartimaeus, um, it gives us a picture of what it is to come to Jesus and to find freedom. It's basically to sit there knowing you can never change yourself, but knowing that you have a saviour who wants to do it for you. And then it's just calling out to him and saying, help me. And then when he meets us, he says, well, what do you want me to do for you? And then we say, Lord, I need help with this. I can't do that. This is too much of a struggle for me. I keep getting beaten by that. Can you help me? And he says, yes, I can. And one of the things that for me has handicapped my walk with Jesus for so many years, because I never understood it, is I thought the way it worked is I had to sort myself out and then I could come to him. I thought I had to be righteous in order to come to him. I had to be good to come to him. So I, I would try so hard to get my mess together so that I'd feel worthy enough to come into his presence. And what I'd missed completely was that the whole point was that I was meant to bring in my mess, that I was to come with my mess. It's like thinking, Bartimaeus thinking to himself, I need to heal myself of blindness and then I'll go to Jesus. No, the whole point is bring your condition to him and he will heal you. 
I used to think he won't like me because, because of my sin, because of my inability to be like him, because my character is so far away from his. He won't, he won't want to be near me. And again, I've missed it. Think, think of, imagine a child who gets a, a horrible disease. What is the reaction of the parent to that child? Their reaction is, I hate this disease, but I love you. And so what I'll do is, <laughs> what I would do if I was a dad in that situation is I would sit them down and say, it's me and you against this, against this disease. We together are going to beat it. Do we know that's the, that's the approach of our Father to us? That when he sees those things that we're so ashamed of and we struggle with, or he sees those things that we want to change but we just can't, his response is not try harder. His response is, all right, the two of us together against this, we're going to do it. And um, there's all sorts of ways this will look like in practice. So a friend of ours who's come to the festivals for, for a few years now, when we used to run them, Tim Ross, has shared some of his testimony at Soul Survivor. And part of his story is that when he was 12 years old, he was exposed to hardcore pornography. And um, really, from that point on, he never managed to escape its grip. And, and um, by the time he was 19, in his words, he was a full-blown addict to porn. And then at the age of 21, he became a Christian. And he said, at that moment, the battle began because he knew this wasn't what he was wanted to do. He didn't want to do it, and yet he kept going back to it. He said, the battle began. And a turning point for him was one day when he was, he was struggling and he was reading his Bible, but he was still struggling. He prayed a prayer and he said, Lord, I pray that you will make me as addicted to reading your word as I am to looking at porn. And he said, that was a dangerous prayer to pray because he answered it. And he said, now if I go for two days without reading the Bible, I start getting the shakes. I have to come back to it. And although it's not that from that moment on, he never had a struggle, but he said that was a turning point because I brought myself to him and it was as if the Lord said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to be free and I just can't do it myself. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit partnered with him and the two of them went on a journey together to freedom. Just a couple of weeks ago, Mike and I were talking and I was, I was telling him uh, that I feel like I've been struggling in my own character with a whole bunch of stuff, really f since January, for about five months. And uh, you probably wouldn't see it if you don't know me, but uh, if you don't know me personally, but, but I've been finding anxiety has been a real battle for me for the last five months. I've got a history with it, um, but particularly I've been finding it very acute. Uh, every day it's been a struggle. And... Um, as well as that, there have been all sorts of emotions churning around in me. I've found myself at times getting incredibly defensive and overreacting to people, having a lot of frustration, a lot of internal anger, and um, just, being, just being very up and down, and uh, finding that there's a lot of fear as well in my life. And, and I remember just chatting to Mike about this, and uh, he said to me, yeah, I have noticed, I have noticed some of that, and I thought, thanks. Um, no, you're not like that at all, Andy, was what I wanted to hear. What are you talking about? You're amazing. But I didn't get that. I got, but actually he did it, you know, from, from, as a friend, you know, I have been worried about you because, because usually I'm reasonably emotionally consistent and, and I've just been like this, like a yo-yo. Um, and, uh, and I've been, and I've been stumped. I, I, have just, I don't know how, I try everything. I don't know how to be different. I don't know how to be free. 
And I was talking to someone else just, just recently and he suggested to me, he said, why don't you just, at the start of every day, come to the Lord just for five minutes, 10 minutes and just bring your mess and, and, and invite him to meet you. And so, and then he said, at the end of the day, again, just for five minutes, just for 10 minutes, why don't you come and just sit with him and reflect on the day you've just had and try and spot those moments where he showed up. Whether it's just the love that you experience as you're playing with your kids or it was this person dropping you a text or it was something else. And, and he said, even maybe just write it out every night just for a few minutes where you, where you experienced and you encountered his love in that day. And I've been doing it for about 10 days now and I've still got all the stuff. But you know what? I'm de- it's, it's now I've got all the stuff and I've got him. And the way that I've been imagining it is a bit like Bartimaeus coming to him at the start of the day and him saying to me, Andy, what do you want me to do? And me saying, I'm so glad you asked, Lord. (laughs) Here's my list. You know, I'm struggling with this. I'm fearful about this. I can't do it. Can you help? That's what it is to follow him. It's this, this joyous partnership where he does the heavy lifting and all we bring to the... The, the, the team is our inabilities, our struggles, but a hunger and a thirst to be changed. And just to finish, um, there is a future for us that is utterly glorious that we don't want to forget that one day we will see him as he is and we will be like him in every way. And we, we look forward to that with great anticipation. But it's not just a waiting till we see him face to face for the change to happen. He wants to bring us freedom now and he wants to bring us change now. And the way it works is we come to him with the hunger. We say, I can't do it, but I want to be like you. And he says, I can work with that. And more than that, I will fill you to overflowing. Blessed are you if you hunger and thirst to be like Jesus you will be filled. Amen. Amen.